Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Mike Rutledge. I'm the Director of Arts here at K2. We're glad you're here with us today, and uh, happy, seriously, happy Father's Day, dads. I don't know if that's what your family has planned for you or not. I hope mine hasn't, but uh, we really uh, just, just want to say thanks, dads, for caring for your families and what a valuable role you have in, in the lives of so many people. So uh, just enjoy your day today, whatever it is you're doing. Uh, we're, we're in a final week of a series that we've called Messy Church. And uh, we're looking through Matthew chapter 18, and we're, uh, as we're pouring through this chapter, we're looking at some, what Jesus was teaching on a few key topics here. And uh, the first week we talked about um, uh, stumbling, stumbling, which is living in such a way that makes someone else uh, fall away from the faith or start to, to move away from the faith and what our responsibility is in living in that context. And then the next week we talked about wandering and that's uh, looking at our responsibility to our other brothers and sisters in Christ as they start to walk away from the faith, how we pursue them and try and bring them back into the right relationship uh, that God designed for them. And last week, uh, if you are here, you heard Dave Nelson talk uh, about sinning and uh, as a church, there's, it's inevitable for us to be uh, in situations where people here are going to do something that offends us and sins against us, and what do we do with that? And uh, the obvious next topic would be, after sinning, forgiving, forgiving right, of course, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And uh, it's a perfect topic for Father's Day, because... At least in my house, I don't know anyone that needs to forgive forgiveness more than I do, so uh, it's a good topic. <laughs> okay, you may leave, all right? <laughs> I didn't even really mean it. I was just saying that. Felt humble. Anyway, um, it's funny because you, you, you look around and you find so many different varied opinions in, pub in the public world about forgiveness. Mark Twain, I love his quote, he says, forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that crushed it. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, Oscar Wilde, a little less beautiful, says, always forgive your enemies. Nothing annoys them so much. <laughs> the, the funny part about that is that's actually found, that, that principle is found in, in Proverbs chapter 25, uh, the first one I don't find in the Bible. But anyway, uh, but let me ask you a question. If you were, and maybe this is the kind where you don't raise your hand because you, you may be sitting next to the person that I'm talking about here. So um, since last week, when Dave talked about someone sinning against you, just I'm guessing you, you've had that opportunity to use the Matthew 18 principle in, in rectifying that uh, sin against you. Or maybe someone needed to use it with you, right? I, I would guess that would be true. And let me take it to the next level then. How many of you have had or an opportunity to either express forgiveness to someone or needed to receive forgiveness? That one you can answer. Anyone? Have to? I mean, if we're honest, every single one of us here in this room on a regular basis needs to receive and give forgiveness from those around us. And I just want to talk, so we're looking at forgiveness today. Uh, and, and as we look at it, just a couple disclaimers. The first thing I want us to understand is that I'm not primarily focusing, primarily, on, on God's ultimate act of forgiveness through his redemptive work on the cross, death, re, uh, burial, resurrection. Uh, but we're going to be focusing primarily on person to person, me to you, you to me, forgiveness. And, but I will say that it's next to impossible to talk about forgiveness without understanding God's redemptive work as a baseline. 
right? You can't talk about forgiveness. And we're going to find that that's even part of what, what Jesus addresses in this passage. The second thing I want to say, just as a disclaimer, it's really interesting that Hollywood kind of has it flipped backwards. And I'll say this. Proverbs 19.11 says, it is a man's glory to pass over transgression. Or in other words, if you want to see man at his best, it's in his ability to forgive. Hollywood would say, man at his best is the man who can deliver a death blow to the throat, right? So it's a little different perspective in the, in the popular culture than it is in God's word. And the third thing is, I, I believe I, that forgiveness is a core value for, that every single person needs. Every single person needs forgiveness in their life. I, I came across this story as a studying this week. Uh, it's a Spanish story. It's very appropriate for Father's Day as well. And the story goes like this. It's, it's the story of a father and a son who had become estranged, and the son ran away. And the father searched for months to find his son to no avail. And after months, he finally decided in an act of desperation to take out an ad in, in, uh, in a Madrid newspaper. And the ad read this. Uh, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. Now, while that's humorous, it's also quite sad to understand that not only do we need forgiveness in a spiritual sense from our God above, but we need and crave, in order to feel whole, forgiveness between our relationships here on earth. It's a core value that we all have. You know, if you were to take every person and one by one count them out based on their sins, it wouldn't take very long before you would have no one to live with, Right? And you'd probably be out there pretty quick, too, as a side note. But today, what I want to do is I want to look at the topic as we continue through Matthew 18, picking up in verses 21 through the end of the chapter. And uh, we're going to look at a couple other passages as well, Luke 7 and, and Matthew 6 real quickly. But what I want to do is examine exactly what Jesus thought about this topic of forgiveness. Me to you, you to me, us forgiveness here. And I want to start, and I'm going to read this whole passage. It's a little bit long. 14 verses, so, you know, I'm going to read the whole passage, and I want to just talk about what Jesus, what I think, believe Jesus was trying to help us understand. So, verse 21, Matthew 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement... A man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold or talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins or 100 denarius. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. 
This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Okay, so we have in this story uh, an experience where, well, and let me just back up. So if you go back to Matthew chapter 17, the passage before, we find that Jesus was in Capernaum, which is kind of his home base, and he's sitting with his disciples, and he's having this conversation, right? And, it, and, and if you recall, remember, remember how chapter 18 started? He, the disciples came up, and they say, which one of us is the greatest, Right? And how does he answer that question? He answers the question by calling a little child over and having the child sit on his lap. He says, you want to be the greatest? This is how you be the greatest. And he compares our faith to being like a child. And something that I realized as I was reading through this and looking at commentaries, probably during this whole conversation in Matthew chapter 18, he's got this little boy sitting on his lap as a reference point to these topics. You know, don't treat, when you're talking about your brothers and sisters in Christ, don't act in such a way that they would wander off or, or that you would make them stumble. Or when they, when, when they sin, you know, you would, you would remember them as a child. And you ever notice this, how much easier it is to forgive a child than it is an adult? And I think that that's a really important context for us to understand that Jesus is not only referencing just our faith in general, but specifically when it comes to forgiveness, to treat those that we're struggling with as children. And it becomes a little bit easier to extend the forgiveness that's needed. Now, uh, here's what, so here's what happens in this passage. So, so he's sitting there, and he's got the child on his lap, and they're talking, and Peter, the one who's always asking questions, right? He, he was the mouthpiece of all the disciples, it seems. So he, he chimes in. I don't know if he was prodded or not, but he pokes his head in Jesus, and he goes, hey, Jesus, so how many times do I have to forgive? Right? And, and so then he, Jesus says, well, or he says, do I have to forgive uh, seven times? And Jesus says, no. 77 times. And then he goes, he says, well, let me tell you a story. He gives the story of this king who wants to settle accounts, and this guy owes 10,000 talents, and, and then the king forgives him, and then the guy goes off, the servant goes off, and, and uh, he finds a guy who owes him much less, 100 denarii, and, and then he starts to choke the guy out, you know, goes UFC on the guy, and he's trying to get the money back, has him thrown in jail, and then the, the master hears about it. What's he do? He calls him back in, throws him in jail. And then he says, and this is how God's going to treat you if you don't forgive. Very interesting passage. And I think that there are five invaluable truths about forgiveness that Jesus wants us to know. And the first is this. If you're a note taker, by the way, this would be point number one. You'd write this down. Okay. The first thing is this. Forgiveness is not optional. Now, I don't know in your life what has happened to you where someone may have sinned against you. But I have these conversations with people where they're like, I don't know, this person did this to me, and, you know, do, is that something I need to forgive? The answer is yes. I don't know what the specifics are, but the answer is yes. And you see this, it's really interesting, even in, you start at verse, verse 21, Peter came up and he asked, uh, he came up to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Well, a couple interesting points. First of all, he did, notice, he, notice how he phrased the question. He didn't say, Jesus, how many times do people have to forgive me when I sin against them? <laughs> right? Because if you think of that, those perspectives, you're probably a lot more, he's probably not going seven, right? He's probably going to be like 150, right? He's going to go with a bigger number because I'm forgivable, but you're not because that was unacceptable. So the first thing we understand is that 
we need to understand that this is about our responsibility to extend forgiveness, okay? And then uh, we understand from the implication, he doesn't ask, do I have to? He asks, how many times? I think this is really, really, really essential for every one of us to understand. And I, there are even examples like Peter or Stephen when he's being stoned, his, his stoners don't even ask for forgiveness and Peter or Stephen pr prays on their behalf that their sins not be held against him. Jesus on the cross prays for his crucifiers. The answer is, yes, you have to forgive. That's the first point. The second point is this, that forgiveness is incalculable. Now the question is, do you have to forgive? Yes. Well, how many times? Martin Luther King Jr. says that forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. Again, looking back uh, at, eight, at chapter 18, verses 21 and 22, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, it comes, be reasonable. At some point, you stop forgiving the guy, right? right? Doesn't it just seem to make sense? At some point, that's enough. Well, apparently not. Because here's what happens Peter comes up, he says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Some passages read 70 times seven. And this is, here's what, whether it's 77 or 700 or whatever the number is there, I think what we need to understand is he's not really giving us a math equation at which point we're off the hook. Okay? Forgiveness is incalculable. And, and, what Peter is actually directly addressing is Jewish law, which said three times you forgive, at which point you're off the hook. You don't have to forgive anymore. And so Peter kind of gets it. He's like, do I have to forgive seven times? That's double plus one. That's pretty good, right? And some commentaries would say, actually, what he's saying is no, 70 times seven, 490 times for the same sin on one day, which is ridiculous. Obviously, I don't even know how you could sin that many times in the same thing against someone. But the point is this, that no matter how many times the math equation doesn't have a final answer at which point you're off the hook. The third thing that I think, oh, and he is, so here's, again, when you flip it back on yourself, you know, Britney Spears, the great theologian, oops, I did it again, right? How many times is that true in your, when you just, you think about the other people, right, and how people, oops, I did it again to you, and it's so offensive. But when you, oops, I did it again, is it really that offensive or is it just... A, Okay, I made a mistake, right? It's a mistake. Somehow mine is forgivable. Yours, not so much. The third thing is this. The forgiveness is proportionate to forgiveness. And here's what I want to say about this. We'll, look at, uh, we'll pick up in verse uh, 23 of, of Matthew 18, and this is where, where he goes into the story portion, talking about the king, and he says this, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, or 10,000 talents, was brought to him. Okay, the first thing I want us to understand is what the point that Jesus is making here. Now, uh, a talent uh, is a little bit difficult to understand an exact value on because during, uh, over time in different cultures, they held different values. And uh, um, what, what we do know is that a talent is a weighted gold coin. It's a certain amount of weight that was a certain amount of value. Just for a little perspective, so he owed 10,000 talents, whatever talent was worth, okay? And uh, what we know at the time of around Jesus' life, the total revenue collected 
by the Roman government from Idumea, Judea, and Samaria, 600 talents. Okay, so Rome collected 600 talents from these three provinces. Uh, Galilee collected 300 talents. So you see on, on scale, 10,000 hundreds. And, and when, when Solomon, you remember Solomon, when he uh, built the temple and he had the gold plate, everything on the inside? You know how many uh, talents that was? 3,000. So you have 10,000, 3,000. So on a scale, we just understand, just on, on numbers alone, this guy's debt was huge. Now, and then we go, here, here's what's interesting, and then you go to the word 10,000, and, and the Greek word there is murius, and it, what it actually, is, it's not, now maybe Jesus was saying an actual number of 10,000, take it at that, it's still a ton of money. But you see in the Old Testament oftentimes where it says, he's talking about angels and, and, and 10,000 upon 10,000, well, it's not saying multiply those together and you'll get the exact number. See, the, that word, that Greek word is actually the highest term that could be used. They didn't have a number that went beyond that. So you use the greatest number, and that's what he's saying. Basically, what he's saying is this guy owed a gajillion dollars, right? It's a not calculable amount. It's a debt that he can't repay. I think, and what I want to do right now is I want to just jump over to Matthew chapter 6 and look at the Lord's Prayer, because this is where we understand that forgiveness is proportionate to forgiveness. And look at this, picking up in verse 9. It says, the, it says this, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. But if you do not forgive others their sins, the Father will not forgive your sins. Very interesting. When we don't forgive, we don't receive forgiveness. And it's pretty clear. And I believe what he's actually talking about is not God's redemption in our life, but I think that what happens is when we don't extend forgiveness, we fall out of the grace of God's forgiveness and live separated from the fullness of the relationship with him. Because we have, it's like having, you know, the big elephant in the room. I can't see what's on the other side because I got this big junk in front of me, and that's called forgiveness. And God is on the other side, and we would live separated based on our choice. And all of us have this 10,000 de talent debt to repay, this gajillion dollars, and we can't do it. There's also a pay it forward sense. It says, forgive as we have forgiven. And it's a real easy thing for us to understand. If you want lots of forgiveness in your life, how do you get it? You forgive. If you don't want much forgiveness, how do you do it? Don't forgive. It's real simple. I want to just pick up at verse 28 as we continue, though, Matthew 18, because so often when I've heard this, this taught on, or when, even when I've read it myself, or you talk about this, in this, this debt that, that he was forgiven of and this little bit of debt that he had. Now, I want to just look at that for a second because something hit me this week as I was studying this. It says this, verse 28, but when uh, that servant went out after he'd been forgiven, remember he goes out, and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins or a hundred denarius. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Okay, so I want us first to understand the difference in the proportions that were owed. He owed this, whatever the number is, Googleplex, my kids say. He owed this unpayable debt, huge money. 
And then I've often heard, thought, and he owed this, someone owed him this little bit. Well, let me, let me put it in perspective for you because I think this is really helpful. So it's, a denarius is about a day's wage. So one day's wage. So figure, let's say you work uh, 50 weeks a year. You get two weeks off. You work five days a week. That's 250 days a year, right? So 100 days. How many of you are willing to give up a little more than a third of your, of your salary, the money you make in a year? Anyone going, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> Yet so often we minimize what was owed to him. And I, the reason I want to make this point is this. Many of us in this room have had egregious, unacceptable, horrific, terrible things done to us where people owe us immense debts. And I don't know what it is in your life. I don't know how you forgive on it. But I know that Jesus calls us to forgive. Yes, in proportion to what Jesus has done for us, what we're owed is less. But I don't want to minimize what may be happening in your life and let it off the hook because bad things have happened to many of us and we're still called to forgive. The fourth thing I want to point out is that forgiveness uh, demonstrates and develops humility. And for this, I want to bounce over to Luke 7. I'm going to read this really quickly. It's a similar story. Picking up in verse 36, it says this. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. One of that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So, he came, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. And tell me, teacher, he said, two people were owed money, a certain land, uh, moneylender, and one owed 500 denarii and one owed 50. Neither of them had the money to pay it back, so he forgave both the debts. Now, which one of them will love more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, you see this woman? I came to your house. You did not give me water from my feet, but she wet my feet with tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Now the guests began to say among themselves, who is this even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Now, here's what I want you to understand. A couple things really interesting. So Simon Peter says to himself, he has a thought. That's what he's saying. He has a thought, and what's his thought? If this guy's a prophet, he would know who this person is. And without even hearing that out loud, Jesus responds to that thought. Okay, he probably is a prophet then, right? And But what is his thought? His thought that the Pharisee has is this. If he was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is. Well, what kind of woman is this? She's a sinner. Implication, he's what? Not a sinner. You see, what he expresses in this thought is that she's forgivable or needs forgiveness, but I don't. 
You see, he says, you didn't give me the water for my feet. You didn't give me the, you know, I'm traveling with sandals and dirt. (laughs) Typically, the customary greetings would be to offer those kind of just, just, you know, you can wash your feet here and let me put some oil on your head so you'll, you know, freshen up a touch and let me kiss you as a greeting. See, this man was so sinless in his own mind. He had no debt to pay God. He couldn't even extend the common courtesies because he's above everyone else. And he can clearly see she's not. And what we see is that the truth is the opposite. That her humility demonstrates her understanding of the 10,000 talent debt she has. And his lack of humility understands that he doesn't even understand how indebted he is. She was a sinner. He was not. The fifth thing is this, that forgiveness heals us as well as those we forgive. You guys remember Rodney King back in L.A.? He got brutally beat up by the police officers. and He was asked about that experience, and he said, as far as having peace within myself, the one way I can do that is forgiving the people who have done wrong to me. It causes more stress to build up in anger. Peace is more productive. Point four, it heals us as well as those we forgive. I remember uh, I was in college, uh, and I was home for the summer, and my family, we all went to church together. And in, in high school, um, I have two older brothers. My oldest brother, um, when he was in high school, um, I don't know, I think he thought he was Rocky or something, but he, um, he had like an arch nemesis at his school that he was always having fights with, you know? And uh, so it was years past, and I'm in college now, and... Um, home for the summer, going to church, and this guy comes up, 